This has been quite a week for our church. For those of you who are just here on Labor Day, um, you didn't miss anything because you're a part of what God is doing. Because what he did this week didn't end last night. It's a continuation and you can experience it. It's different this morning. You know, we believe with all of our hearts that you, you cannot schedule a move of God. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. But as the Holy Spirit begins to shift, if your sail is up, then he can begin to shift you in the direction that he has for your heart and that he has for your life. And I believe with all of my heart, wholeheartedly, that what God is currently doing in our midst, I want to be very careful not to put definitions around it. Just let him do it. However, I do believe it is not a contending against, but a surrendering to. I do believe with all of my heart that it is this fresh anointing on each and every one of us that opens up our heart to God. And I also believe that he is speaking to us about things in our lives so that they can be removed from our lives so that we can walk into different levels of freedom. And on the final Sunday of our best summer ever, it's not that hard to forget, but I almost forgot it. I... I have a prepared message, but we'll see if we get to it. Because I want to take you to a field. And in this field is a boy by the name of David. And his life is relatively simple. He's a shepherd. He's in charge of his father's sheep. They're not his sheep, but they're entrusted to his care. Again, his life isn't overly complicated, or at least our understanding of it. And he's in the field. And like you and I, he is just singing songs like, all I need is you, or one is you. All I want is you, Lord. And the sheep are ba, 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 like a choir, and he's working them, you know, ba, 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 ba. And he's just opening his heart before the Lord. He's singing songs like, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. I don't know the tune of that song, so I'm not even going to try. But he's just, it's, his life is in this place of simplicity. His life is in this place of just, the scripture says that, that David is a man after God's own heart. And so he has this heart that just longs to be near God's presence. One of the Psalms penned later is, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. You know, like, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than but God had a purpose and plan for David's life that he wasn't just going to be a doorkeeper, that he was actually going to be one who God was going to use in a place of authority. And as we heard during our revival nights on the second night with Matt Tapley, that one day David is anointed as the next king of Israel. And when this anointing comes upon his life, this fragrance comes upon his life again that was spoken of on the Friday night, I want you to know that in that moment, nothing and everything changed for David. 
If you read the story, one of the things you see is that he's anointed king, but nothing changes in the moment, but everything changes about his destiny. But here's what begins to happen to David. His life goes from a place of being very, very simple and innocent to all of a sudden complex. As you become, you know, it's one thing to be anointed king, it's another thing to have the weight to rule. And there are many of you today that maybe at one point your heart was just, God, all I need is you, and all I want is you. And it was this beautiful place in your heart. But today you're in a place where your heart is saying, God, all I need is you and my bills and the mortgage and the debt and my darn neighbor and my boss and my coworkers and my broken relationships and and what was once so simple inside our hearts can become very very cluttered where David was once so sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit, when he was so sensitive to God stirring on his heart is probably a better, more appropriate way to say it. We see the story progress, that he is his king, and the scriptures say, at the time when kings go off to war, And David finds himself somewhere where he shouldn't be, have been, which is at the time when kings go to war as a king, he should have went to war with his people. But he isn't there. He is at the palace. He's not where he, he, he is where he isn't supposed to be. It's amazing for you and for I how cluttered our hearts can get and in that place we can find ourselves where we never intended and where we shouldn't be. And in that place, you and I are not only vulnerable, but others around us become vulnerable as well. Because what the scripture says is where David, when David was at a place where he shouldn't be, there was someone who didn't know that the king was in, who was still in the palace, and her name was Bathsheba. And she does absolutely nothing wrong. She goes on the rooftop to begin to bathe, which again, our culture is like, what is she doing? It's just what they did. He wasn't supposed to be there. And all of a sudden, this boy who is in the field with a heart after God, finds himself in a place of temptation by first and foremost positioning himself where he shouldn't be. And in that place now, somebody who is innocent over here, there is now this tension, this temptation, this ability or, or atmosphere Rather than of what we're experiencing now is worship in an open heaven. A moment ago, we just sang day and night and night and day, let incense arise. Church, there is an open heaven right now over this place. 
And I don't know about you, but when we're singing songs like day and night and night and day, let incense arise, what we're talking about is the prayers of the saints. And I want you to know, don't pray small prayers in these times and seasons. Ask God for impossible things. Ask God for big things. Ask God to do what only he can do. Ask God for miracles, for your heart, for your life, for your family, whatever it happens to be. And David, when he was at a place where he shouldn't be, Bathsheba again begins to bathe and temptation grabs hold of his heart. And he is the king of Israel, so he is entrusted with power. And he uses his power not for blessing, but for selfish ambition. And he summons her to the king's chambers, and he sleeps with her. He transgresses her life. You see, in the scriptures, there's a word called sin, which we talked about last week, which means that we all fall short. And there's a word called iniquity, which is this word that describes when we sin, our behavior becomes crooked. We are living in a time and a generation that is calling iniquity purity. It may be pure from our perspective, but from God's perspective, he sees it as crooked. Come on, we, we, we as human beings have this amazing capacity to rationalize and justify and self-delude ourselves into what we do. And so did David. It's nothing new. It's a sin nature that needs to be healed by Jesus. So sin and iniquity, but then there's this third word, and it's called transgression. Every say transgression. A better way to understand transgression is to understand the word trespass. You know, we, 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 if, you, if you own a home, you have a property line. And it's your property line. And if you're like me, who live in the suburbs, my property line's pretty small. And it, but, <laughs> I like that. And it, and, it, and it sits right up against my neighbor's. So we can actually trespass all day across our property lines, and it's no big deal. But last year, we wanted to put a window in on the side of our house. And we couldn't because of fire regulations, because our property line wasn't large enough, and we would be trespassing on theirs. We had to get our air conditioner fixed. And our old one was there. And they came, and I said, just put the new one there. Well, he had his measuring tape out. (laughs) And he's scratching his head. And he looks at me and goes, it's close. (laughs) And I was like, the air conditioner is nigh? And he said, no, we're about an eighth of an inch over your property line. Turn the online off. I don't want my neighbor to see this. (laughs) Technical difficulties, just please stand by. 
<laughs> and he said, your neighbor has legal access if they wanted to measure that and have you move it. I said, don't worry, I have great neighbors. And he said, for now. <laughs> because what he's talking about is a legal right. See, trespassing, as long as the relationship with your neighbor is fine, it's fine. It, fine within relative relativity. Like if you live in the country and you've got a boundary and your neighbor trespasses, it's no big deal. But if he starts building an extension or she starts building an extension to their home on your property, it's going to engage a conversation at least. Uh, I liked the view of the sun, not your bedroom. And you would have legal right to be able to say, I don't really care how much you've invested there. This is trespassing. And so David trespasses against Bathsheba. See, she was never his to take, though he had the authority of a king, because in that culture and in that time, she belonged to somebody else. I know I'm using language that's not um, feministically, politically correct right now. I'm just, bear with me, okay? But regardless of her marriage to somebody else, she was also created in the image and likeness of God. And so first, before we transgress one another, we transgress against God. And so David, again, who his heart was just so pure, a man after God's own heart, the scripture says. He sleeps with Bathsheba. She becomes pregnant. And because he's a man, he thinks he can cover it up with power. He devises a plan to bring her husband back from war. You see, David wasn't where he should be, but her husband was. And there he is. And David brings him back from the battle, hoping. Not every story in the Bible is PG, by the way. This one's not PG. But David brings, this is good for youth. We don't teach this one to the kids. Everything in the scriptures is beautifully and authoritative, not all age appropriate. It's like, Acts, it's like when you get to Acts. We don't teach the kids the story of the seven sons of Sceva. We just don't. Those of you who don't know what that is, Bible school coming up. Take it. <laughs> However, he summons her husband back. But wouldn't you know it? He is hoping that her husband will come back, sleep with Bathsheba, and then he'll be able to say, oh, that's your kid. The same man in the field who had a heart after God's own heart finds himself in a place where what was once so simple has now become really complicated. Calls the husband back. The husband does not sleep with his wife. First time in the history of the Bible. 
but he is so full of integrity, he simply says, I, 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 can, I, I cannot enter my home while my fellow men are dying in battle. And he sleeps outside his house. And so for a man after God's own heart that was so pure, now because of trespass and sin and iniquity, his behavior becomes more and more and more crooked because the plan that he devised has now fallen short. And God loves him so much that he's going to let this weight just keep coming down. And so David now devises another plan and by saying... I'm going to send the husband to the front of the battle. And he instructs, because he's the king, that when the fighting commences, I want the whole front line to come back. And he's exposed. He, he wants to make sure that the husband dies, and the husband dies. And David thinks, problem solved. But how many of you know that we, see, we serve a God who sees all things? God is not pleased with any of this mess. And there are ramifications in David's life, in David's family, as a result of what has occurred. David thinks he gets away with it, and God sends a prophet, Old Testament, sends a prophet, who the essential word for his life is not so fast. That's a great paraphrase of it. And then what do we see David sing? Psalm 51, verses 1 to 2, in verse 13. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Notice they're not singular now. And then he says, wash me thoroughly from my crooked behavior, from my iniquity, and cleanse me from falling so very short. So cleanse me of my sin. Then watch what he says. Then. Everyone say then. 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 I will teach transgressors like me your ways. And he says, and sinners, people who fall short, will return to you. God's response to broken humanity was to be trustworthy towards humanity. See, the word transgression in the scriptures 
If you have a bitter enemy, I hope you don't. But if you do, that's not the word transgression. Because that would be something against. You know, in a, if you're watching the U.S. Open, a tennis match is this person versus it's against. It's competition. It's sport. It's this team against that team. That's competition. But that's not where the word transgression applies in the Scripture. And that's not how David self-identifies in here. Because he wasn't against Bathsheba. He wasn't against her husband. I've totally forgotten. What's his name, her husband? Perfect. That's his name. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't plan on preaching this right now. Now, transgression in the Scriptures means that we have not sinned against, we have sinned with. And it's why it hurts so deeply. Because if someone's your enemy, you can just write them off. But when you transgress with, that's why it's so painful. After Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, verses 14 to 15, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I mean, that's harsh, but it's clear. It's not the things in Scripture that I don't understand that usually bother me, like all the mysteries. It's, it's, it's not the things I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that I do that reveal and expose my own heart. And I'm here to tell every single one of you something that you already know, is that nobody gets through life without someone transgressing them. And nobody gets through life without you transgressing against somebody else. We are transgressors to various degrees. It doesn't make it okay. It's just a reality. Has anyone here ever in your life, by a show of hands, not loved somebody else the way that they should be loved? Every one of us. And the heart of God for all of us this morning is to continue to do work on the inside of our lives and the inside of our hearts. In the complexities of whatever has happened or whatever you have done, The heart of God for every single one of us is two things. First, is to let go of unforgiveness. 
See, what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, is that this one thing called unforgiveness is a prison that you hold the keys to. And there is something about walking that out that is just this reliance and trust upon the Lord. You know, I, I do not share these words this morning as an expert. I share them as one who has been transgressed and transgressed. I share them with a limp. Not with boasting. I could describe to you every inch of the cell of unforgiveness. When I was in my early 20s, I was sitting on the front row and we, were, uh, we had a uh, video series going by uh, Dr. John Maxwell, 21 Laws of Leadership. And I was bright-eyed and all ideas, all zest, and I thought I knew everything. Because I was 20, 23. What else is there to learn? <laughs> Read the book. And, and the, Dr. John C. Maxwell in it tells a story. I don't know which law it's in. There's 21 of them. It's a lot. But he tells the story of a young man coming to him after he gave one of his lectures, presentations. And the young man said to him, you know, I was watching what you did up on that stage. You, you sat on a stool, you told a few jokes, you told a few principles, and everybody laughed. You know, and, and the young man said to him, like, and, and I bet you they paid you a lot of money to do that. And he said, well, sure. And he said, well, I think I can do what you do. And John said to the, man, the young man, I, I have no doubt that you can do what I do. In fact, you may be able to do what I do far better. But young man, here's what I don't know. The, I'll paraphrase. The authority that this platform gives me is not because of the presentation of my speech. The authority that I have as a leader is because of the price that I was willing to pay. So young man, it's not can you do what I do, it's are you going to do what I did? And in that place, he began to tell him every which way where he gave up half his salary, where he took all of these steps. Why do, why do I share that story with you this morning? Because at 46 years old, I know that life isn't as simple as it once was. There are some of you who life has never been simple because perhaps someone's transgressed your life at a young age.
But here's what I know. If we as a church want to pursue and talk about revival and engage this shift of the Holy Spirit, there is a cost. There is a response required from our hearts. There are going to be steps, supernatural steps, that God is going to ask us to take and you to take in walking freedom, in releasing forgiveness, in owning your own transgression. There are going to be things and steps that God asks us all to take. And they're going to make us feel like that. But I want you to know that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to see it through to completion. I want to remind you that God saw David as a boy in a field. And he saw him as a man, as a king. And he also saw what he could do with his repentant heart. Don't judge someone's entire story by the chapter you see them writing right today. It is the same God. It's not like when David transgressed, that caught God off guard. Oh my gosh, I picked the wrong one. Why do I say that? Because when you blow it, and you will, you need to know in your soul that God is for you and not against you. You need to know somewhere more than your head that he who started something in me, Alpha, is going to bring it to end, Omega. That God, thank you for loving me just the way I am, like a boy in a field. And then as a man who has transgressed, God, thank you for loving me enough not to leave me the way I am.